Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penroth. All right. Hello today, and uh, you know, welcome to uh, the pod to the podcast. Uh, you know, so we got a special guest on, on here today. Uh, talk about uh, medical school and the service academies. Uh, Colonel retired uh, Bill Core, and so uh, it's going to be great to have him on here today. And uh, welcome, sir. It's good to be here. Thank yeah. you, Bob. Thank you, Trish. Yeah, and so uh, so Trish, how's it going down in Costa Rica? Oh, I'm just living that Costa Rica pura vida life. <laughs> Your enthusiasm is off the charts today. So, <laughs> but at this time, we're in. Uh, you know, I know Bill Core and I uh, are in Southern California. We live pretty close to each other, but but thank God we're not in Texas right now. So they're, they're a lot currently of snow going, and ice. Yes, yeah, getting, snow and ice, which is strange for for uh, Texas, but uh, but. Uh, Trish, I think's got probably well. We got pretty good weather out here in the SoCal here, and so can't can't no complain, complaints but, exactly. Uh, so, all right, so hey, so well, it's great. Glad glad to see everything's going great for uh, for you, Trish. And I'm excited today to have uh, Colonel retired William Core here on the uh, on the podcast. And uh, I'll let Bill introduce himself a little bit more. But Bill and I go back, uh, you know, over you know. 35, 36 years now where we were both <laughs> in the same cadet company at West Point, company H4 Go Hogs. And he was class of 1987. I was class of 1988. And uh, both went into the Army and both served a career. Uh, Bill uh, went into the Medical Corps as a doctor and uh, was uh, served a long career and now is retired out here in Southern California. So uh, Bill, it's great to have you uh, uh, have you here today. And can you just uh, give everybody just a, sh- a, a brief overview of uh, your um, your kind of career uh, and things like that? Certainly, as Bob said, I graduated from the United States Military Academy in 1987, and then went straight to the military's medical school in Bethesda, Maryland, known as the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences did an internship in family medicine at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at the community hospital there. It was a community hospital, WOMAC, which was later on promoted to a medical center, which is a larger type of hospital. After completing the internship in one year, I knew I wanted to do what they call a general medical officer tour, GMO. So the general medical officer tour puts you out in the field with the soldiers in the Army and Navy and Air Force, somewhat similar. So you get to work with the, the, the military. And I went to Fort Irwin, California, which is in the Mojave Desert, where I served as a general practitioner for the first year in a community hospital, and then transitioned for another year as the brigade surgeon, that is, the senior medical officer for the opposing forces the armor unit, the 177th armored unit, which was representing the bad guys, which people from all over the world would come and compete against to train in the middle of the Mojave Desert, north of Barstow, California. 
But knowing I wanted to be a preventive medicine physician, I applied for further education in order to train as a public health doctor, a preventive medicine doc. So the Army sent me to get a master's degree in public health at Johns Hopkins School of Hygiene and Public Health in Baltimore, Maryland. And then I finished up my residency in preventive medicine at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, focusing a lot on the spread of disease, the epidemics, the science of epidemics, which is known as epidemiology. And from there, I went from post to post, typically as a public health official, but I would alternate working at military hospitals with going back and working with soldiers. So as 3rd Infantry Division, which is a large mechanized unit in uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia, outside of Savannah, I was a senior medical officer there when we went into uh, invade Iraq. And also, I returned to work with soldiers later on in Afghanistan, working again as a medical corps officer advising uh, senior leaders on what they needed to do to keep their soldiers healthy. So I've, in a nutshell, that's what I did. I was stationed in Korea, in Germany, and a variety of different places, but and the Pentagon. But every place was a new adventure. I was there for two, three years, and then the Army would send me to another place. So retired in 2015. That's an awesome career. And th- thank you uh, for your service there, Colonel Corr. Just uh, it's awesome. Definitely. So, hey, so, uh, so Trish, uh, before we uh, have um, Colonel Core go into kind of the process and his experiences at West Point, can you just give us sort of a quick overview of kind of uh, the process of how uh, a person who's at uh, a service academy goes through sort of the, the process of uh, or rather how the academies look at it, medical school, and sort of if you're looking to take this route, what are some of the general things that we're talking about here? Yeah. Um, the three service academies are all very similar, you know, and you're thinking about a thousand graduates from each service academy per year, and there's anywhere from 15 to 20 slots, depending on the, the different service academies. So, you know, not not a ton of slots available, and it's fairly competitive for cadets and midshipmen to actually get the service academy to release them to apply to medical school. So, um, and it's uh, important to note that you have to have a slot from the service academy to even apply to medical school. That that needs to happen first, and typically cadets will um, declare their major, and it's pretty important by their third class year or their sophomore year to, to have that in mind, um, and have that major declared so they can start taking those challenging courses because by their second class year, um, they really need to, to finish those core core medical courses that are going to prepare them for medical school. And, and that's also when they would take the MCAT as well. A lot of the interviews will happen their senior year or their first class year, and then when they graduate, they go they go straight off to medical school. And just taking a look at some of the averages, it, it is very competitive. Um, the GPA is for a recent West Point class for medical school. The average was a 3.79 with an average MCAT of 5.11. So these students are very successful academically. Yeah, and that's not easy to get at uh, the academies because the, uh, the grade is... Uh, 
is curved uh, at the, at these, particularly for core courses at the academy. So, you know, a three seven nine would probably, I would say, be closer to a four zero at a lot of other schools that don't have kind of the great curve, non inflationary. Uh, uh, GPA that you see at the, the academies. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's great. So now that's a really great overview, uh, Trish on, uh, on those, on the three, uh, service academies. And you can see it's kind of a very competitive, uh, uh, way to, you know, to become a doctor. And so Bill, when Bill, my question to you is that, you know, when you started this process, I mean, when you came in to West Point, did you know you wanted to take this route and, and, what was the competition like and and what was just generally your experience kind of working through the wickets when you were at West Point? Certainly. The, the, I, I knew that I did want to become a military physician. My grandfather had served in World War II and my father right after the Korean War, both in the military. So I went into West Point knowing that this was certainly an option. And about the competition – I found myself with like-minded individuals. Many of us went through the chemistry courses together, and of course, biology as an elective. Other cadets would take psychology courses in preparation. One of my good friends ended up as a psychiatrist, and he had studied uh, psychology or operations uh, research or something similar to that. But we went on as a group a lot of chemistry majors. I just remember many of my classmates in my organic chemistry class, my physical chemistry classes. Yep, I'm applying to medical school. And when we came time to take the MCATs, we all sat down and it was, I, w- I would say the majority at my time, class of 87 were chemistry majors with other people taking other classes. But I didn't seem, from from my perspective, it did not seem to be competitive because we all knew what we were doing, and uh, we applied to medical school, and most of us got in. Yep. And so uh, I think now, Trish, I think maybe when Bill was back, they they perhaps had a chemistry with some with some additional electives that would allow them then to you know to get the prerequisites for. Uh, medical school. I, I understand at West Point now they have uh, a particular track now, don't they? Yes, they do have a pre-med track um, with um, biochemistry, you know, neuroscience, cell biology, genetics, uh, and or, of course, organic chemistry as some of the requirements and the prereqs for medical school acceptance. Yeah, and uh, hearkening back to the question about competition, so, uh, I'm just recollecting that during the time I went through, I think most of the cadets went in thinking they'd go into aviation, engineering, infantry, artillery, and mm-hmm. there was quite a variety of career options. And people did not, well, when I went through, they weren't thinking of going to medical school. There was just a very small cadre of us, and and some people. They ended up as an infantry officer. They ended up as artillery. Originally, they wanted to go to medical school, but a couple of them uh, went to, to serve with the combat arms. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, what was your just I'm curious, what was your uh, GPA and MCAT score, Bill? Uh, that's that's yes. My GPA was roughly it was 
3.45-ish or so. Uh And the MCAT, about 5.10 or so. Okay. So you were, you know, right at kind of the average MCAT, at least for, for exactly. you know, cadets now that are applying, but the <laughs> yeah, GPA looks a little, right. lo- the GPA looks a little lower there, Bill. What were you slacking off a little bit? What's going well, on? Well, it was, uh, there's some <laughs> courses that I was good at, other ones I wasn't. English, <laughs> my goodness, the ability to write is a great skill. So anybody who's listening, work on writing and writing well, that will serve you entire <laughs> life. <laughs> I didn't yeah. do too well in English at, at West Point. Yeah, I had I had a three three, so I was I was a little bit behind you, Bill, but not uh, not not too much. But uh, it is interesting. It looks it, you know. I I guess you know we have to talk to maybe a, a person who's you know maybe have some has more recent mm-hmm. um, experience. Um, three seven nine strikes me as pretty high for West Point, and so that indicates to me that you know there there may be that maybe the dynamic might have might have might might have changed a little bit here regarding maybe it is maybe there are more cadets that go into the academies now that are looking at the medical school option i it could be that although when you take a look i did apply to about four or five medical schools and the the good thing is my decision making was made easy because I was accepted to one medical school. I, I did apply to Mayo, Georgetown, uh, Harvard. I applied to these schools, Johns Hopkins, I remember sending my application. But the one that accepted me was the Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences. So I didn't have to make any hard decisions. I, I went with the door that was open. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that Yushu has an average MCAT of 510. Mm-hmm. How 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 much of a coincidence is that? So <laughs> so tell me so Bill why why you choose versus um, a civilian uh, medical school? I mean I understand you choose accepted you, but what, what was your what was your thought process regarding kind of the advantages and disadvantages that you saw of you choose versus because as I remember back then you choose was was kind of new when you went there. Yes, yeah, so the Uniform Services University of Health Sciences was chartered sometime in the 70s, and I had I went in the 80s and graduated from the Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences in 1991. And it was military friendly. The the many of our instructors were active duty military, and most of them had served in the military. I remember some of the more inspirational physicians who taught us had been an active duty in the Vietnam War, the Korean War. We also had this old surgeon who came in and taught us heart surgery, who was from World War I. I mean, World War II. World War II had <laughs> served in in the Korean War. So it was it was a pleasant place to be because they knew the military and they uh, they cherished their prior service their soldiers that had served in the military prior to uh, applying to medical school and of course the academy grads mm-hmm. and so um you know you might you know when you maybe compare your uh, experience at uh, at, at that school versus say, you know, uh, an academy graduate, maybe that you graduated with in 87 who opted not to go to 
the Bethesda school. Um, do you see, did you, what was there, you know, based on what you heard from them, did, did it reconfirm your, uh, your decision to go to you shoes? I would say no, uh, because I'd look at some of these cadets who went to civilian schools. One went to the uh, medical school at, in Rochester, Minnesota, the Mayo Clinics Medical School. And he ended up staying there for years and up to 10 years, became a neurosurgeon and worked very hard as an active duty neurosurgeon for an entire career. He did quite well. We also had another one of my classmates went to Vanderbilt. Uh, oh, uh, uh, and again, did quite well. Johns Hopkins attracted two of my my colleagues. And when we graduated, they went down to Baltimore to go to medical school, and they did quite well themselves. So did I see a difference? Not when I was practicing medicine in the Army. Uh, I did not detect any differences in skill. Where there was perhaps a difference was the interaction with the active duty, the line officers. Mm -hmm. I would think that there may have been an advantage of going to the military medical school, the Uniformed Services University, and the way you would interact with commanders, colonels, uh, senior leaders. And that's that's just a bit of an impression on my part. I don't know if I can quantify that, but that's my, that's my impression. Yeah, no, that's, um, that, that's interesting. I mean, because, you know, just, it, just because just, you know, the, the school Bethesda now is you shoes. Is that, is that a, not a good way to pronounce it or, uh, it's a or is that perfectly good Nate way? Because it, that's what we call it is you shoes. Yeah. But it's a, it's a long, it, it, my father joked and I went to, Here's here's the real name of Yushu's, the Uniform Services University, Yushu's Uniform <laughs> Services University of the Health Sciences, F. A. Bear School of Medicine. A. Bear <laughs> was a representative or a senator from Louisiana, and his vision was to have a West Point for doctors, and he got the legislation passed. So. That's the big. It, 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 I think it's. I think it's the medical school with the longest name. Yeah. No. I was just. What the reason why is because I noticed when I said you shoes, you spelled it out completely, and I was wondering if it was an insult to you if I called. Oh, it not at all. <laughs> uh, when I was a freshman at West Point, a plebe, as they called, we got, we would get chastised for using acronyms. And that has stuck with me for loads many years. <laughs> Don't use acronyms. No, people get confused. Use yeah. the big long words. Right. So let's uh, let's talk about service commitment here, um, or actually the pros and cons and service commitment. So, you know, with medical school choice to begin with, or civilian, you know, things like things like that. I felt comfortable that my anxiety level was. I believe less than my peers had gone to a civilian or regular university. For example, I remember at USIS, uh, we had field problems. We'd go to the field. We'd go out and live in tents and eat uh, meals ready to eat, MREs out of a package. And 
the folks who hadn't had that experience before had higher anxiety levels, I would say. But doing field problems, living out there in the woods of Northern Virginia, it was it was a comfortable. It, I was comfortable being there. That's just one example. That my, I think the people who come straight from a civilian university, they have a bit more things to accommodate to. They, it can be stressful. The environment is a lot different. Now, if you go to the service academy or go to ROTC, I think it would be a more comfortable feeling being a military physician and being in the field with soldiers later on in your career. Uh, did a lot of that with the different brigades and divisions and armies I've been with. Being at a the Uniform Services University certainly is the monetary advantages of that. You get paid as a second lieutenant. The other advantage is in your military milieu. An example, our dean, Dean Sanford, an infectious disease specialist, was very gung-ho. And he would, this is an illustration of the military milieu. He'd go repelling with the students. They had a big wall and one of the... Uh, the building's perfect for taking a rope, throwing a rope down the side 50 feet, and lowering yourself carefully, safely down to the b- bottom. And our dean would do that along with the students a couple <laughs> times a year. Uh, just uh, it, was a, it was a bit of adventure. And we would send soldier, uh, the medical students to airborne school, air assault school. They would, uh, a couple of them went to SEAL school, the uh, with the Navy. Uh, yes. And so there was this environment that said, okay, you're going to go serve on with the sailors, airmen, Marines, soldiers, you're going to serve with them. So let's get you ready. So that, that was, yeah. yeah. I mean, the reality is, you know, is when you look at the service commitment is, you know, it's really there's really not a lot of difference considering it's a 20 year career i mean you you know you did the roll up trish and you know you're looking at about a 16 to 18 year commitment if you take the health uh profession in other words you go to civilian college after west point or the other academies versus usu you know the uniform services university you're looking at about a 19 to 20 year commitment but the bottom line is you're in for 20 anyway uh, with either one. So there's really, as far as a service commitment goes, I'm not sure that there's too much of a realistic difference between either one of them. Bill, would you agree with that? Right. It's, it's about the same. Although notice the nine years versus the 12 years, the cutoff 10 years, let's say a career is 20 years, uh, nine years less than 10, 10 years marking the halfway point. For the USIS grads, it's, well, we've got 12 years, got eight more years. So it's a little bit more enticing to say, you know, I'll just stick it out. It's not sticking <laughs> it out. It's, 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 a good, it's a good career. It's, you work with good people. But at 12 years, you, a lot of people say, well, eight more years. I can do that. I can hold my breath for eight years. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really, I think, you know, I think that's, one of the things that certainly uh, that may also account, you know, I'm just thinking about this now, Bill, this, that also may account uh, for why you don't see a lot of people, you know, like, you know, hundreds of people trying to bang down the door to be 
go to medical school out of, you know, when they're going to the academy is because the reality is you are committing to that, that amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you better be sure that, you know, if that's the route you're going to take, that you better be sure that, you know, you're going to be doing this for, you know, a career. Right. And I would say something about a military medicine career. One of the advantages is that it has flexibility. You can work in the hospital, work in a hospital, get experience there, and then do something for your next tour of duty that's a bit different, whether it's working with uh, in the field, if you will, with soldiers, airmen, Marines, uh, working with the the line units, we'll call them, the people who go to war, and you, you work, you're part of that group, you do that for a couple of years, and then you return to the clinical setting or a research setting where you can do research. I, I have a good friend who was an infectious disease physician. He specialized in internal medicine and then subspecialized in infectious disease. And he had worked in hospitals, but then he said, well, let's do research. And he worked on a number of different vaccines at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research and to help develop new vaccines against meningococcus, a disease that can be quite fatal. So that's, he had his flexibility, and then he spent a couple months in Kandahar, Afghanistan, with a battalion as a battalion senior medical officer, or as we call them, a battalion surgeon. So he had that variety, and I had similar experiences too. Yeah, yeah I mean, quite a... Um definitely a range of, uh, of experiences. I think, you know, we, you know, that, um, at least, you know, I look, look at some of these, you know, posting boards, uh, for doctors and things like that, or considering the military, uh, things bill that you, you find uh, to be interesting and uh, challenging others find absolutely, uh, they're like the Hawkeye Pierces. They want to get that. They want to do their time, and then they, the last thing that they want to do is go on multiple deployments to Afghanistan. And oh, right. Like well, <laughs> Francis O'Donnell was our in charge of all the public health doctors in the army for a bit. He was there, our senior preventive medicine physician, and he he came and talked to all us preventive medicine docs once. And he said, "Well, <laughs> if you want a career where you know where you're going to be." Next year, next month, tomorrow, uh, if you want to have that type of predictability, uh, the Army's not quite for you. But if you want to have that little bit of excitement, not knowing exactly where you're going to be tomorrow, the Army's a good place for you. Okay. Well, that sounds good, Bill. That uh, certainly reflects my career, too, and I'm sure Trish is been a lot of different places too, but I wanted to transition and kind of ask you, you know, the, uh, about uh, your knowledge of the Air Force and Navy docs. And I know that you, you know, certainly made a lot of uh, good friends at uh, USU from, you know, the Air Force Academy and from the Naval Academy who went through there. Uh, can you, you know, can you talk to me about sort of some of the people that you met there from those academies and maybe if you maybe had traced their career path or what their experiences were at the academy, uh, you know, in regards to, you know, where they, when they finally got to, to USU and things like oh, that. Oh, certainly. I remember we had two medical students from the Air Force Academy, and they had an aura of confidence. They, the, the military milieu did not disturb them because they had gone four years through 
the Air Force Academy there at Colorado Springs. Our Naval Academy grads, uh, they also did quite well. In fact, our class leader was a Naval Academy grad. He had served as a surface warfare officer, I believe. No, no, he was in aviation. He had served in uh, Naval aviation for several years and then decided to go to medical school. So he did. And my goodness, he has done exceptionally well. He made flag officer rank as a physician. He was became an admiral. I forget which flavor of admiral, but very good for him. And I would have a shout out to our other folks who graduated from ROTC. I have one of our ROTC cadets who did ROTC, came to USIS. He also has done very well in the Army, becoming a last I heard, a brigadier general in the medical corps uh, in the army. He's a urologist, a trained surgeon, but uh, good old Bert has done quite well. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, so you, so the experience for you with all of the academy graduates, including the ROTCs, uh, was outstanding. And so, you know, you know, when you look at that, I mean, it's, did you think when you went to USU that, uh, that the, uh, people that, because, you know, we got to remember that there, that there are, what, what percentage were, uh, uni- were actually from the academies and ROTC programs versus ones that came into civilians? Yes. And I would throw in there with the academy grads and with our ROTC grads, where our prior service, whether it be officer, we had a helicopter pilot from the Army with us. We also had a lot of enlisted folks. So if we have any enlisted service members listening to this, uh, they would become the medics. Uh, they would come in as, most of them did serve as enlisted combat medics, and they did quite well also. So 50%, to answer your question, about 50% had prior military experience. And the other half um, did not have that. But let me tell you this. Here's one of our graduates was from Brandeis University. He had done undergraduate at Brandeis as an art history major. (laughs) And then he came into use as this military medical school, if you will, and he excelled. So (laughs) he, (laughs) he had a career in radiology uh, ended up at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, in Fayetteville, and he's he's done. He did well. He was one of our best students as an art history major out of Brandeis, no prior military. So, not everybody uh, did as well. Some people were somewhat overwhelmed by the circumstances, being in a different environment, and so yes, they they. They struggled, but uh, certainly you don't have to have a military background to go to uniform services, the University of the Health Sciences uses. uses. But it's still, it's still about 50%, so you still have a, um, about half then, mm-hmm. so that's, that's that. And so uh, any other observations, Bill, about, uh, about you know, the other services' careers as far as you know, being an Air Force uh, medical uh, office officer or medical doctor? or um, the Navy, uh, is there any, any you know, basic observations you can give regarding those two services? And, and well, I remember uh, being in different locations. I was in Afghanistan, 
And I went to a meeting, a medical meeting, and there was an Air Force Academy grad. Hadn't seen for years, but there he was. And he also had made it a career. And he was helping advise a senior officer, not medical. So he was helping out in a job similar to mine, uh, providing medical guidance to commanders as a senior medical officer for a line unit. So it was it was quite the pleasure to, one, see him as a fellow graduate from USIS, but also know that he had uh, come through the Air Force Academy and he had survived that too. And I did mention uh, our Naval Academy graduate who had done very well in his career. It's not everybody who gets to become an admiral. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I think uh, I think I might have a classmate who I'm not might be up for general, I think. But uh, Kelly Ward, I think, is is a Kelly. I'm trying to remember his name. But, yeah, he's uh, he was a doc doctor also. So, you know, I, I think you can go into the academy kind of getting an idea of whether or not the uh, whether or not medical school would be right for you. Probably. You know, Bill, you mentioned earlier that kind of chemistry, you know, you kind of get that chemistry your first year. And obviously, if you're not probably not excelling in chemistry, uh, that might be an indicator that maybe, you know, your dreams of medical school might, oh. at least from the academy, and might not be uh, the right route to take. Huh? Harken back to the example from Brandeis University, art history <laughs> major <laughs> excelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, so, I know, Bill, but I'm saying there's exceptions like, to every rule. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean, Bill, is that, you know, if you're sitting there in freshman chemistry and you're getting a C, mm-hmm. you know, and you have this dream of being a doctor, it's, oh, it's, oh, you know, oh, Bob you know, Kirkman, listen uh, up. I, listen, our, I've, I our, validated, I validated out of chemistry. I took AP chemistry in high school. Okay. So well done. Maybe now, I should be a doctor. Uh, I would say pursue the dreams. I'll give you a few examples. Football players in yeah. our dormitory, which we call companies, and our company, Bob, we did have that classmate of mine in in my graduating class. He was a football player, very gentle soul, and he told me, yeah, my brothers are doctors. I'm going to be a physician. I think he went into combat arms, either infantry or armor, but Benny pursued his dreams. He did not, I don't think he had good grades. But he is now practicing medicine here in the state of California, up, up where Sacramento or something. Good for him. So it, you can do it. <laughs> Benny did it. Yeah, I remember Benny. Benny was not the uh, was not the did not get the highest grades coming out of West Point. But he has the right attitude, and uh-huh. he had the right perspective. When I say right. A very gracious soul, a very outgoing person, somebody who I would want as my physician. So um, there's a lot more to being a good doctor. Good grades help, but the people skills also. Right. And I guess, um, you know, if you're, I, I guess the point I was making earlier, Bill, was that if you're, is that, you know, the root of taking it from the academy itself. In other words, trying to get, you know, over, through the wickets of mm-hmm. getting, you know, the MCAT and everything out of West Point is that, is that, you know, I think, you know, 
doing good with chemistry right away, you know, and, and makes it you know, easier. Which, that's for sure. Yeah. And shows maybe, you know, the aptitude of being able to get through, um, you know, maybe the biochem and the, uh, and the biology and all the other kind of hard science courses. So, so you know, that, that the freshman chemistry might be a good indicator of um, maybe your, your aptitude, at least, at least from the sense of, you know, the way the academy looks like, you know, mm-hmm. access, assessing you into being a, being a right. There, there is a, there is a, I wouldn't say a pecking order, but there is a winnowing process and grades are part of it. Academic performance. There's also the commandants, how you, how well you do in military skills and a part of this whole process was an interview. I remember all the prospective medical students had to march up, not march, but walk, get to Keller Army Community Hospital. That's the little hospital that's there on the grounds of West Point. And I believe it'd be similar at the Air Force Academy and the Naval Academy. The reason to go there is that we were interviewed by a number of medical personnel, nurses, doctors, medical service corps folks, asking us, well, why do you want to go to medical school? And similar questions. And so th- there is a winnowing process. And I can tell more. I remember, anyway, I remember going to that interview as they were trying to decide, they being the West Point faculty, who would be allowed to apply to medical school. I imagine there also, you know, shows you that not just grades, but just, you know, what is your attitude? Why are you doing what you're doing and things like that. So and and discipline, uh, meaning that you don't break too many rules. There, that's part of the winnowing process. Also, the folks who have to be disciplined often, I think, would have a more difficult time. Yeah, in other words, you can't be uh, like one of our one of your hog classmates, first name Ben, <laughs> who, by the way, retired as a colonel in the uh, army. So shows yeah, you that did. just yeah. walking, walking all the those area tours doesn't necessarily uh, translate to uh, becoming a senior officer in the United States military. But again, he well, he did. Oh, uh, for our listening audience, one way to be punished aside from being kicked out of West Point, and again, this might be similar at the other naval academies, is your free time, weekends, Friday afternoons, are spent walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, on what we call the area, a central plaza. So it's... <laughs> and, and, uh, it's uh, I had to do that once or twice, yes. Yes, but not not too much there. Not too uh, much. Protocol. Okay. Well, good. Well, you know, Bill, I, you know, it's great to have you on here today uh, on this podcast. We just learned so much. And, um, you know, I think the, the uh, at least the message I'm getting here is that, uh, is that, you know, if you want to become a doctor, uh, the service academy is a great route. And that, uh, you know, and then if you, you know, study hard and you do, and you, uh, you know, you're diligent, that you can fully expect to have a have a very good opportunity to be able to pursue that route. Exactly. That's so, right. And then one day you can retire as a colonel. <laughs> yes. And then life then life is good at that point. Life life is good, yes. <laughs> well great, Bill. Well it's great to have you on the podcast and uh you know until uh, next time uh we'll see you later. Yes. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Trish. 
you've reached the end of another episode of the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. Connect with us at gainserviceacademyadmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.